quote, eradicators. This year, make mosquito control easier and cheaper. Come by Holden Hardware on the square and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. W263AI Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, AM 1450, and Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. With today's interview, here is Scott Walker. We're talking with Michael Yarber. He is the commander of the DAV right here in Rutherford County, served in Rutherford County for 75 years. Is that correct? That's correct. DAV stands for Disabled American Veterans. It's uh, been in uh, existence over 101 years now. Our chapter has been in existence here in Rutherford County 75 of those years. Tell us a little bit about the different veterans you're seeing on a daily, weekly basis. What age bracket do most of them fall in and where do they serve? It varies. We've had people from World War II all the way up to the present Afghan. I'm an Iraqi veteran myself. We've had Vietnam veterans, Korean veterans, People just getting out of the service. Most in our chapter probably ranges from the 50s all the way up to the 80s. But we're trying to touch out any veteran that's coming out of the service helping with their disabilities or they have housing claims or anything that they need for benefits. Every case is serious, but what are some of the more serious cases that you have seen where a veteran recently got out of the service and they had an injury that they incurred while in service? Generally, we're having uh, any kind of uh, knees or back seems to be a problem. PTSD is is a big issue with a lot of veterans. Uh, they're seeing combat-related stress, um, so that's what we're we're seeing them, and we're helping them uh, file for their disabilities for that. Again, we're talking with Michael Yarber. He is the commander of the DAV chapter here in Rutherford County, helping folks with disabilities who served our country. I'm curious, are you seeing any World War II veterans anymore? Are they still out there, and are they still seeking help? There is some in their 90s, but uh, they're few and far between now. Man, the stories that you have probably heard are amazing, some terrifying, and some sad. Well, you know, some of the the recent ones that come back from Afghanistan has had some stories. They've been in direct combat and uh, IUDs surviving that. kind of traumatic there. I was in Iraq with mortar shells coming over my head and survived that. But it's the World War II people that I think is the real heroes and being captured and rescued, and those stories are pretty amazing. 
You know, in the 60s and the 70s, you would hear about those who served in Vietnam and one tour, sometimes two tours of duty. But these days, it seems like you're hearing about folks who are in the military who have done five and even six tours of duty. Uh, yes. Um, you know, the regular forces, the Army, especially at Fort Campbell, they rotate in out there, you know, every 18 months, it seems like. They're uh, taking advantage of all the services nowadays of uh, serving over there in Iraq and Afghanistan. What kind of damage mentally can that do to somebody who's been on four or five tours? Uh, you know, it takes toll. You know, if you sign up for this and this is what you do, um, uh, being away from families, actually, the wives should get more credit. They're at home not knowing what's happening to the soldier when I was in Iraq, you know. She didn't know that, you know, I might be under attack or dodging mortar shells. He's at home taking care of the kids. So I think it's more stress. I know that I was safe, but she didn't know that. So, you know, I think a lot about the, the families and the wives. Soldiers are doing their job and doing the best they can and uh, trying to stay as safe as they can. And then I, I worry about the families. Speaking of the families, the wives, the mothers, the fathers who are home while their son, their husband, their daughter are serving overseas, is it for them constant anxiety? Uh, yes, they're definitely anxiety. My wife tells the story that she had a dream that somebody in uniform was knocking at her door. And I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible because, you know, when you get that knock on the door, that's not good news. So even though I came home okay, uh, I'm sure other wives, and siblings are having the same experience. And what kind of DAV-related services have you seen offered in recent years? This is what we do mainly. We help file their claims for PTSD or they've injured their knee, the back hurts or foot injured, like I had my foot injured, so I would file for that claim. And we help them go through the process uh, filing claims usually takes up to six months to hear back from the VA, and we support and represent them to get their claims in from disabilities. Sometimes things like PTSD, it's not fully recognized or accepted by the service member until five, six, seven years later. So can you go back and, and resubmit information? Yes. In fact, uh, in the case of me, I was in Iraq in 2003 and 2004. I was having bad dreams, and I finally uh, they told me, you need to apply. And so it's been like 10 years later that I applied, got testing, and, uh, um, and then I finally awarded the PTSD rating. Yes. What? Yes, you can. What does that rating mean for a military member? Uh, well, you could get a rating from PTSD for 30%, 50%, 70%, and that rating amounts to a dollar amount. You get a monthly uh, check, not taxable, as your uh, monthly benefit uh, for PTSD or leg injury or foot injury or whatever you may have coming out of the service. And is that also based on the rank when they got out and the pay when they got out? Uh, no, it's uh, strictly uh, due to your injury. 
So they rate your injury, uh, and that 30% equals to a certain amount of pay, and you get that until that injury either gets better or stays worse for the rest of your life. Once you receive that rating and you start receiving that pay monthly, is that going to keep them out of a job if it's a job that they can do while sitting down or on the phone? Is it going to limit their ability to do a job? No, not necessarily. It can. You could get certain percentage, um, which will not allow you to work anymore, and they can offer you 100% disability, and therefore you won't be working. Uh, but most of the time the veterans are still at a job, either part-time or full-time. Again, we're talking with Michael Yarber. He is the commander of the DAV right here in Rutherford County. Tell us more about your service and where exactly were you when you did your tour of duty? Um, well, I got deployed twice. I got deployed to Bosnia, and uh, that was in 97-98, and was over there for uh, support to rebuild Bosnia and Croatia area, Yugoslavia, I guess, um, over there about eight months. My job was uh, public affairs. I was a public affairs broadcaster. In fact, I did a little radio, mostly in the video side and did photography for the Army. And then I got deployed to Iraq in 2003, all the way through 2004, there 15 months, and also did stories on soldiers there during that time. So either photography, news, or video. So you were there literally recording history, and I can just imagine some of the things that the lens of your camera has seen. Uh, yes, <laughs> and recording history is correct. Uh, in fact, in Bosnia, I got assigned to President Clinton for a day as he came over to visit the troops. That was kind of a highlight of the career, for sure. And then uh, Iraq, we got to see a, a lot of good things that, the soldiers were doing that wasn't reported on TV. So we did the good side of the story. As uh, Paul Harvey say, the rest of the story, we did that for sure. <laughs> I guess you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, you've seen all of it. Yes. Yes, yeah. I, we reported on from schools, orphanage, to paving the roads, to uh, infrastructure, to hospitals, and of course we reported on soldiers being injured and other soldiers trying to help out and the medical teams and, well, you name it, we, uh, we reported on it and hopefully got that news back to the states here. Things like PTSD, they're much more widely recognized today than they were during the Vietnam era and definitely more so recognized when compared to the World War II era. And you're hearing a lot more about it in the media, which I think is helping people to better understand what exactly PTSD is. Uh, yes, I just saw a news report on uh, TV about uh, some veterans in Knoxville helping with uh, PTSD w with the fireworks. And I remember when I first come back, there happened to be a thunderstorm happened when I was in bed, and I jumped up out of bed and go, Okay, this is a, this is a thunderstorm, <laughs> but it it causes you to re, you know react very fast. And I've gotten used to it now. I don't have a problem with it anymore. But uh, that's what happens to a veteran if he comes back from deployment. On top of seeing, I guess, a wartime, you're also away from your family, and you were saying eight months at a time, and sometimes longer. That yes. alone is is hard for somebody, and that. Well, it takes a lot of getting used to once you get back to the U.S. 
Yes, it is. It's 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 tough. I got back one week out of that fifteen months, and that's only because um, I, you know, begged them. I wanted to see my daughter graduate from Blackman High School, and they said, "Okay, you got to find your way back, but we'll let you go." So I went back to see her graduate, and then I had to turn around and find my way back to Iraq to join in. So it was it was pretty traumatic just getting one week out of fifteen months. And how long did you serve in the military overall, and again, what branch? Uh, well, I served four years in the Air Force beginning in the 70s, and then I served the re my rest of the time, 16 years plus, uh, a little bit, um, uh, the Army Reserves as a public affairs broadcaster. For those listening, maybe it's a family member who served in the military, or maybe they served in the military and they're hearing this broadcast. How do they get a hold of you, and what are the steps they need to take starting right now? They can get a hold of us by coming to the meetings at uh, second Monday of every month at New Vision Baptist Church at 5 o'clock, or they could call me direct. They could call the DAV. They have an office here in Nashville. Or they can call us directly, and I can give you my number to have them call me. All right, and what, what's that number? 615-971-7101. Uh, and again, the meetings are held at New Vision Baptist Church on Thompson Lane, right here in Murfreesboro. And again, what days are the meetings held? Second Monday of every month. We're also going to have a presence on the farmer's market on the square there in Murfreesboro. And you can look for us there. We'll have a sign up, and we're going to be partner with Sanders Brothers Coffee to be there and help people maybe fill out some disability forms or if they want to join the chapter or they just want to join us for a camaraderie with other veterans. Do you have a, a regular office at New Vision Baptist as well, or is that just where the meetings are held? That's where the meeting is held. We don't have a regular office, but you can contact one of us and We'll be able to direct you to wherever you need to go for help. As we close out, again, if you would repeat what you were saying about the meetings that are at New Vision. Again, what day do they fall on and what time? They'll fall on the second Monday of every month, and they're at 5 o'clock, 5 to about 6 o'clock at New Vision Baptist Church. We have a sign that's out in front of the church. Look for it and come in. We also feed everybody pizza, too, so we'll have pizza available for you. Again, the DAV meetings here in Rutherford County, second Monday of every month at New Vision Baptist Church on Thompson Lane. Again, we've been speaking with Michael Yarber. He is a commander of the DAV here in Rutherford County. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. Alrighty, folks, that wraps up our first half of the action line. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening to News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We specialize in every instrument that the local musician needs at prices comparable or better than online prices. We do guitar repairs and setups, lessons for every instrument from strings to keyboards to drums. We are your local music store. You need to come see us. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. 
One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. If you've got an iPhone, we have an app for that. If you're an Android user, we have an app for that, too. You can listen to us anywhere, on air and on demand. We're News Radio WGNS. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. And it was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La. President Truman had the presidential party up there. We all would eat our three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high in the mid-90s. Southeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy and a low near 70. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 67. Wade Hayes, owner of Toots, Good Food and Fun. I strongly believe that volunteers make a positive difference in the quality of life here in our community. Rutherford County trustee Ted Beatty is a lifelong resident of Rutherford County, and he volunteers in many ways to help our community. One is his volunteer work at Journeys in Community Living. That supports adults with disabilities. He's also on the board at Barnabas Vision. And active with the Murfreesboro Breakfast Rotary Club, Rutherford County Trustee Ted Beatty 
is our Toots volunteer. At Toots, we strongly believe that it's important for every one of our citizens to give some of their time and talent back into the community. And we want to honor these individuals with a Toots gift certificate good at any of our Rutherford County locations. 860 Northwest Broad Street on Church Street in the Barfield area in Smyrna on Sam Ridley and Toots West on Franklin Road at Rucker Lane. On air, online, and on the phone. You can listen to us anywhere. News Radio WGNS is Rutherford County's place to talk. Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and online at WGNSRadio.com means that you can listen to us anywhere. AM, FM, FM, online. Alrighty, folks, welcome back in. You're listening to your good neighbor station, News Radio WGNS. Right now, the time, 8.30, as we kick off the second half of the action line this morning. And I am joined by Rafia and Clemmy, who's joining us this morning for the uh, Mothers Over Murder Group. And you guys are going to be having an important meeting, a press conference on Thursday. Uh, and this is to combat violence with the youth, parents who've lost kids to violence and um, things like that right here in our backyard. So this is, you know, kind of a conversation for everybody. But with that, I welcome you on. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, give us a little bit of background. This is this is something that, you know, is, is near and dear to your heart, something you ladies feel strongly about, obviously, enough to come on the radio and talk about it and have this press conference and, um, you know, get this information out there because it's not something that, you know, can just happen to a few people. It can happen to anybody. And, uh, you know, as we know, kids... Uh, need guidance and, and things Definitely. like that, and they can find themselves in some bad situations, and it can happen to any parent out there. I think anybody can agree with that. So uh, with that, give us a little bit of background. Tell us a little bit about Mothers Over Murder and uh, what to expect on Thursday at the at the city plaza. Okay. Um, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for uh, having us. My name is Clemmy Greenlee from Nashville. Uh, Mothers Over Murder started in 2015. Uh, due to the murder of my son uh, in 2003, uh, that hit uh, home run for me with my broken heart. So I didn't really think nothing about um, the violence out here like I do now. 2015 came about because mothers started coming to me, asking me how could I handle uh, the death of my son. And I was like, wow, well, let's talk. So the let's talk started out with three mothers at my table that have lost their kids to gun violence. They turned into 45, 45 turned into 100 plus. So loving on these mothers was my number one thing because that's what I needed to do because nobody was there for me. But knowing that the violence is spread out among communities, period, city to city, state to state, uh, I knew then we have to do some action. Yeah, we do the grieving group, but we have to do some action. And so meeting this mother here that you're finna hear from uh, showed me that you got mothers that's able to get into the action part and then, you know, still mourn, but you get into the action part. And when she said she lived in Murfreesboro, I've been trying to come to Murfreesboro to start a Mothers Over Murder chapter because we it's needed everywhere. And by her inviting me, this is what we're hoping we can do. And um, after that, she can tell us why we're really here. Um, so I relocated here to Murfreesboro from up north, um, 2015. So we've been here a few years and, um, I lost my son last year, um, to gun violence here in Murfreesboro. Um, he was having a pool party in our backyard. Um, we're over in the Cason Lane area 
and um, him and one of his friends got into an argument, and his friend was carrying a weapon, and and um, he, that's it was easily accessible, and he used it. Um, so uh, while I was going through my mourning period, my grieving period, you know, you're so desperate at the beginning to find any type of support to just pull you out because nobody really can understand your pain at the beginning. And you feel like you don't want to hear from nobody. People will tell you, oh, my grandmother passed away. I feel your pain. You're looking at them like, well, they're old, you know. So, you know, it was just, you know, irrational things that you go through at the beginning. And so I was on um, um, some Facebook compassion groups, um, grief support groups, and Sheila Killings, which is one of um, the mothers, uh, she's the director mm-hmm. of Moms, mm-hmm. and she saw me on there, she reached out to me, let me know that they had a chapter, and at that time it was Zoom, so it was it was fantastic, it worked right in, I started working with them in October, and um, I'm telling you, just having that type of support just really helped me heal, and it also inspired me to want to get up, reach out to other mothers. Um, I, while I was going through that and before I went through that, when I came from up north, you know, violence was a lot more prevalent up there. And so there was a lot of mothers that I knew that were having difficult time getting stuck into the grief period of how do you get out of this? And I found that self my own. And when I found a group that was able to pull me out, um, I wanted to be able to share that here. So, I realized that if it took for me and somebody in Murfreesboro to have to go to somebody in Nashville to get that support, then we actually really needed that resource here in Murfreesboro. Um, unfortunately, as Murfreesboro grows and develops and sees this um, dynamic expansion, we're also seeing the increase in crime rates. And I commend you so much for saying at the beginning when you started talking about us and introducing us and letting us know that this is this can affect anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what it really inspired this press conference was that I was on a platform um, on I think Channel Four News with um, one of the council members out of um, Nashville, and we were discussing um, this being a public health crisis. And um, so often when there, you know, when it's actual news on the on the TV, they get you have an hour interview and you get this little teeny small snippet. and you look at the interview and be like, what happened to the rest? <laughs> I said, like, so much more than that. And so um, the sentencing day for my sons, um, the, the individual that shot my son is July 8th. And I thought that that would be an uh, opportunity to control the narrative, to allow the whole story to come out and to provide other mothers a step that platform to use their voice because how they heal dictates also how that could the community as a whole heals and i think that is important that us as mothers when they see the example that we can pick ourselves up and we can move forward and take action it inspires them to want to take action too well both you ladies are very strong to come out and be able to talk about this our guest this morning is uh, rafia and clemmy both you ladies have lost children and we're talking about when we talk about mothers over murder gun violence gang violence um, particularly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you say you read these articles and, you know, so much happens, and especially because we live in a big city, Nashville's right up the road, the, the news cycle just goes so fast. It can be easy to miss something or you see something and you think, 
well, I didn't know those people or it wasn't me. And it kind of, but it's not really like that. When it happens to you, it, it impacts your life forever and it leaves a hole in the family. So, uh, each one of those stories you ever hear about or read about, which, you know, seem to come up every couple of days, there's always a shooting here, shooting there, whether it's Nashville or Murfreesboro. Um, you know, maybe from the outside perspective, it's just a new story that comes up and kind of goes away, but it's, it's easy to kind of forget about these families and the people who take this with them the rest of their lives. And, you know, there should be some closure there. So when, when you reached out, when you found this group and you, and you ladies, um, started communicating, what was, what was the thought process? What was the conversation like? Was the first thing you thought maybe we're not alone? There's, you know, each, each one of these families, I think, is in a position similar to where you're at, where you like closure, you'd like, to do something about it and to try to help the situation so it doesn't keep happening or at least can slow down the rate of, of violence, especially for children in the streets. What were those conversations like when you ladies first met and talking to uh, everybody as a whole, people out there who are listening now to say, you know, come talk to us, just, you know, come have a conversation with us. Uh, what would that what would that conversation be like? So it was like when I <clears throat> when I first started it, I had a few uh, ministers uh, would bring me to Vanderbilt and start talking about the violence that's happening in my hood. And uh, it, I caught the um, attention of one young lady in that class, uh, Jenny Alexander. Mm-hmm. And um, she was saying, <clears throat> I felt your story. It was like I was there with you. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this is my point of keep coming and talking to you guys. I need you guys to come over here. So that's what they started naming my group, Come Over Here. Because, like she said, she did an hour news interview, but they showed a two-second clippings. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they uh, get their ratings and their money on, you know, mm-hmm. the dirt, not not the value of us crying, uh, uh, the anger. Mm-hmm. So my group starts out with, <clears throat> you kick over the trash can, throw a glass, scream, get on the floor, shout. Cry at the red light, whatever you need to do, we get it. Mm-hmm. And so in order for us to have guys and, and women like you and the community to, to get it, we have to do what she's getting ready to do. We have to do um, presentations. We have to do some kind of visual. We have to do some kind of community activity. This is why we were talking earlier when she was saying, I want mothers to come out that haven't lost their kids. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till it knock on your door. She's speaking to everybody in Muppersburg. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't understand when um, they all at the wee hour of the night call on Jesus. Okay, we call on Jesus. I'm a, I'm a faithful believer. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a religion. I'm spiritual. Mm-hmm. But I tell people all the time, Jesus can't reach down here and get this pistol out of my hand. Jesus can't reach down here and get these pills out of my hand. I want my son back. I want the person who killed my son to rot in hell. I want all of that because you are so angry at that time. The word forgiveness, it comes to us, but it goes out one ear out the other. Until you get there, you can't keep coming to us talking about some forgiveness. Then when it hits you, you're so angry, now you don't even want to hear the word. So this is all we trying to get out is that you got to come and hear us. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking her to um, start a Mothers Over Murder chapter here. Let her be the lead of it because she's in Muffinsburg. And so we're asking every mother out here that has been hit by the violence of their child to show up at her uh, presentation so we can get started. You got to talk to the council members, the mayor, the chief of police, the community police. Mm -hmm. They got to get involved. You can't just keep letting the word neighborhood. You don't even hear that no more. You hear, I'm going to the hood Mm -hmm. because there's no more neighbor. 
to help you out, to look out for you. Everybody's split in half. So we're here to bring that whole word back, mm-hmm. neighborhood. So the neighborhood that ain't familiar with it because of the lifestyle of, of rich and famous, that's fine. They earned it. But it's time for them to recognize what we're doing and try to support and help us. And this is what she's doing. And this is what we really want to bring to Muffins Bar. So you made a good point. This isn't just for families who have suffered loss. This isn't even for families who necessarily have kids. You're trying to get the whole community to come in and because it does take a community. And yeah. I think, um, you know, we all have known people who have been in those positions who have lost somebody to gun yeah. violence. And uh, especially here in Murfreesboro, you know, if you look 20 years ago, Murfreesboro was a little town. Now yeah. it's it's becoming Nashville Junior. So, all, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the same problems that people will see in these big yes. cities you hear more about. That's yes. happening right here in Murfreesboro. Yes. Yes. And, the, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is that we, we, we talking about neighbor and we're talking about community. And a lot of times when you think about when there's a loss or when there's a death, people think it only affects the individuals that actually took that loss. Individuals do not realize that watching the news every day, hearing about somebody getting killed every day, children sitting next to another child who lost an uncle or brother or father, even though that child your child wasn't the person that got that lost somebody. Their best friend mm-hmm. just lost right. somebody. So now that child is traumatized. Right. And now you're traumatized because your child is traumatized. So we have to stop looking at it. In fact, I I, I was joking or not joking. It was one of those laughing but very serious moments the other day. I said, you know what I'm going to tell people? Every time I tell somebody my story, the first thing that they say is that it's unimaginable, right? It is unimaginable to lose your child. In fact, my response used to be, I still can't imagine that it happens. Mm-hmm. I wake up every single morning like it's Groundhog Day with the realization that my son is no longer alive. I'll go to bed every single night, staying awake for a couple of hours so that I can conjure up a dream to have those moments to pretend like he's still alive. Mm-hmm. So it is still unimaginable. But I think what happens is, is that when we can't even try to imagine it, then it becomes the other people's problems. And we don't work together to make sure that like i said it's a public health crisis it's mm-hmm. going to take all of us together because when you don't address it that way our children and the next generation of children become desensitized to violence mm-hmm. they become desensitized to the value of life and then you're handling arguments this wasn't a gun violence situation i mean a, a gang violence situation in our situation mm-hmm. this is a situation where you're going to find a lot of people at in, in as we have more access to gun mm-hmm. as we feel more comfortable in wearing our guns Yes, do we need to have them to protect ourselves? Yes. But then you also have young people that are like, oh, this gun looks nice with my belt, like it's an accessory. And so now it's so easily obsessed that when before, if you got upset with somebody and I'm like, oh, you made me mad and you throw something at them. Mm -hmm. I have a gun on my hip. Mm -hmm. I can use that to get out my anger. And I think when you say desensitize, that's a good word for it because you, you know, we mentioned you read these articles and you hear about these things and say, so oh, I couldn't imagine that happening to me. It, you know, it must be so hard to deal with. And then, you know, uh, life goes on, but not for the people who deal with that, uh, particularly or those in your circle. You mentioned, you know, your best friend or your uncle or uh, whoever it might be that's lost to gun violence. That, that sticks with you. It doesn't just go away like the news article might. And, uh, you know, I, I said, you know, I thought how brave it was for you to come on the radio and talk about this and, and to kind of get that out there. But, not only that, but to kind of take this thing and, and say, okay, I'm going to try to use this, make it a tool to help other families, people down the road. Cause, you know, cause at this point, that's, um, you know, maybe, maybe the best way to go about it is to say, you know, I've, I've had trauma and tragedy, but I can help other people now. And the, hearing your story, people out there might think, 
you know, that there's more people like me. There's more people I can talk to. There's, there's an outlet for this kind of thing. And not only that, but you can move forward and try to make a positive difference. So on Thursday, when you guys have the press conference, inviting the entire community out there would be the first thing, you know, getting people out there to support. But what kind of things are you guys going to discuss? And, and is there any kind of, Maybe maybe things that you've seen that you know leading up to you could say well here's some, here's some signs here are some things that I saw that maybe I didn't take notice of then but looking back on it now could have been some red flags things you see your kids doing that you could let other parents know hey here's some things that I saw that that didn't pop off at that point but now I look back and I see maybe that was a red flag maybe this is a guy who shouldn't have been hanging around or doing some things they shouldn't have been doing is that any part of the conversation that you guys have had? Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, that's the signs that we look for. And I tell every parents, every grandparents, because mostly grandparents are raising the kids now, that, uh, if you, you see a change in their attitude, you know, they was hype, they was, you know, all funny and all that, and all of a sudden they come in and start being serious and gangster-like talking. Mm-hmm. That's one sign. Then you look for the sign of them changing clothes. They like to change, they, they like to look bad, fashion. Uh, with their clothes, and I'm sorry, my mouth is up. But they they like to um, have fashion or clothes on. Now all of a sudden they wear just all black or all blue or a red T-shirt every time. Mm-hmm. Then that's your sign that they done jumped into the game thing. Then all of a sudden the third one is you never have hang, hung around look Ray Ray. Why is you with look Ray Ray now all of a sudden? You don't know him like that. Mm-hmm. So, Mom, he just we just hanging out talking, but... He probably think he is just hanging out talking, but little Ray Ray, you know, got a whole nother idea of what he finna do. So pay attention to who your kid is hanging out with. Pay attention to their clothes, dress attire, and pay attention, the close attention is to their attitude. I just went through that with my 18-year-old grandson, and I'm glad I caught it. I caught it because I'm an advocate, and I'm out here, and I'm seeing it. And then the other thing she'll be presenting now is wanting other mothers to come up up on that platform and say something. We're not just coming down here for us to take over. She wants other mothers to be involved. Come on that mic. Matter of fact, some of the young kids who she just got through talking about who just lost their best friend last night, they need to come up here. We need to see what they feel. We need to see what they think we need to do. And the other thing I always tell people, especially if I have some white folks to come to the event, just think if this was reversible. Mm-hmm. If it was uh, your kids killing each other, you know, we'll have the Marines, the Army, everything shut down the community. Mm-hmm. But just because y'all see, oh, it's just black on black crying. No, it's mental on mental crying. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get everybody involved to help us. Mm-hmm. I mean, because eventually it is going to flip over. You know, they're not just going to be killing each other, black on black, they just finna put in their mind, kill people, people, a period. Rather Hispanic, white, Puerto Rican, or whatever. But this is why I asked for the chief of police, the mayor, and the council member to get involved with her, uh, Rodney Village. Rodney's Village. So, I'm in the process, we're in the, um, in the, uh, process of launching, um, a nonprofit here, Rodney's Village. It's named for, um, my son. And its focus is going to be on young families, um, age 16 to 22, 23 time um, frame. And the goal is to support them in raising healthy families where you are 
more than likely you're not in a relationship Mm -hmm. with the other parent, but knowing how to co-parent together, how to deal with financial empowerment, um, entrepreneurship, how to healthy discipline, not cussing your kids out and throwing things at them and things like that so that they are instilled value of themselves, which in turn makes them value each other, which in turn makes them value community Mm -hmm. so that you're not wanting to carry out violence. Um, These young fathers who a lot of them, now that they've brought their young and they've brought a young child in this world, mm-hmm. um, even if they're not involved in gangs, they are involving themselves in other extra drugs mm-hmm. and other methods to obtain money. I got a young child to take care of. I got child support. I got whatever. I'm not making enough. You know, I don't have an education, so I don't have a job yet. Let me sell. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. I'm just selling weed or I'm just selling this. And then they start carrying weapons so that they can protect themselves because somebody might rob them. And then now it's easily accessible to that. And you're, in fact, um, the prosecutor, um, that I've been, uh, that's on our case, Trevor Lynch, he has mentioned over and over again that the majority of his cases are young, young men, young, not young, 17, 18, 19, a lot of these shootings that you hear now are these young kids that are out here selling weed. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they got to protect themselves because, you know, I'm selling a type of drug. And they are, hey, I, they, they want to, I feel like somebody, you didn't give me my money. You didn't pay me my money. You know, I don't have the recourse to call the Better Business Bureau or file a complaint against you because you didn't pay mm-hmm. for whatever I gave you last night. So they're carrying out you know, punishment with a weapon or, or ending those disputes with a weapon. And so we want to make sure that we get these young fathers see a different way of taking care of those families. Use your creativity and starting to get into entrepreneurship, how you can complete your education, having them coach like little league football so mm-hmm. that they're having that engagement with the community and with their children so those fathers are staying present. Having healthy relationships with the mother so they're not like, oh, he has a new girlfriend. I'm not going to let him see his child. Mm-hmm. So now you've removed the child from his father mm-hmm. and they're not in two parent, you know, having that two parent support. So that's going to be the focus of Rodney Village. Our prayer is that it launches in a building um, by his angel anniversary in 2022. So. Our guests this morning are Fia and Clemmy who are joining us and uh, talking about the Mothers Over Murder group that, uh, you know, both you ladies have, have suffered loss. And you, might, you made a good point, um, you know, talking about not being a race issue. It's a community issue. And I've always thought, and one of the things I love about Murfreesboro so much is it is like a community. and Everybody's your friend, your family, your neighbor. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, and it can be easy when things happen to kind of turn your head from that and say, well, I don't know. That's, you know, what's, I don't live in that part of town or I don't know those people. But it is. It's a community issue. It, it could happen to anybody that's when right. you say it happened to, to this kid and not that kid. That's just not true. And, right. um, you know, if we all go back and, and think of 16, 17, 18 year old versions of ourselves, your brain's not fully mm-hmm. developed. I mean, kids need guidance and they need direction. That's just flat out. And, most people you listen to, I'd say almost anybody that is successful, you'll say, well, they had a mentor. They had somebody to kind of guide them, whether it be a grandparent or a mom or a dad or something like that to kind of help them out. So, um, you know, certainly giving some more attention to our kids and their safety and, and kind of helping them through some of these things, I think, is, is very important. If somebody's listening out there, and the, and the great thing about radio is you just don't know who you're reaching. We could have somebody driving through from Nashville to Chattanooga that flipped us on. We could have somebody wow. who's lived here all their life or somebody who just moved here yesterday. So... Uh, how do folks, if somebody's out there listening and they maybe have a kid who they're worried about is getting into some violence and 
um, maybe going astray or maybe they just heard your story and they want to be a part of helping and making this making this issue go away or improving on it. How do they get a hold of you? What's a good number? Um, any social media, any website information? And, you know, you mentioned Rodney's Village. Um, how can folks be a part of that? What's the best way to contact you ladies and, and be a part of the solution? So for mine, uh, my phone number is 615-917-7961. I'm on social media. You can follow me at Rebuild, R-E-B-U-I-L-D, Queen Re. And that's um, the same on Facebook and on Instagram. And the story behind Rebuild, Queen Re, is um, my kids. My son used to always call me a queen. That was his way. Good morning, queen. Good night, queen. And when I lost my son, it was I had to rebuild that queen back up. So that's where the we rebuild queen re comes from. Queen free. <laughs> so right now, um, we let we are um working together partnership with my 501c3 with Rodney Village. So we'll be helping her to she get her 501c3. So our information is Nashville Peacemakers, uh, six one five five eight nine. 8984. Again, 615-589-8984. You guys get involved. Mumfordsburg is Nashville Jr. Let's make it a safe, better place to live. And let's get out here and show some love and some support to everybody, but mostly to Rodney Village. Absolutely. I'm going to leave you ladies with any final thoughts. I just wanted to thank you again for coming on. That's not an easy thing to talk about. And I would say most of our listening audience can't even wrap their head around I'm trying to go through something like that, but to to take that and say we're going to try to help future families, and even if we impact one more person's life or a million, it, it makes it worth the while. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this morning? Um, the, my final thoughts is, is, like we were talking about, love on your kids. Um, social media is a big thing um, right now, and a lot of young people, bullying is not just happening in the classroom. It's all across so make sure that, you know, they feel loved so they don't use those guns to act violence. Um, we have two dates. July 8th is that press conference mm-hmm. that we're talking about, that, and it's going to be at Civic Plaza. Um, that's in front of the City Hall mm-hmm. um, right here in downtown Murfreesboro. Um, everybody is open to the public. Um, it is uh, we right now we do have scheduled women that are on, but as individuals are there, we would definitely want to bring up if somebody raises their hand, they say, you know, I want to come up to the mic and I want to share my story. I want a call to action. Um, we are there for that. We're also will be taking questions from the press um, at that time on July 8th. Um, the second event that's coming up is going to be on August 3rd. On that one, we are partnering with the city and um, Patterson Park. And that's going to be the national night out event. Um, I think that's a annual event that they have here in Murfreesboro. Um, this year, um, that's going to be slightly different twist than they've had in the years previous is that they have opened up that slate for mothers to be able to come share their story again, have that call to action. Um, so that individuals in the community can get an idea how they can support us in and putting our boots on the ground and helping these children to find a different way to you know, resolve conflict. All righty. And then one final question that just came up, and I wanted to ask this. We only got about a minute and a half. But as far as, you know, folks showing up to these events, mothers, families, do you think that it's part of the healing process that it helps to, to be a part of this and, and come to these events, talk about it, even if somebody's just there to support other families and mothers, maybe they've had a loss? Does that help the healing process? Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, it's definitely helped the healing process. Cause like she said earlier, when she, whoever reached out to her from my group, uh, helped her know that, oh wow, somebody out there that I can talk to, somebody mm-hmm. out there understand why I'm crying and Kroger's at the checkout kind of just start crying because mm-hmm. people don't understand. They're like, oh Lord, what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you, you don't really want to know what's wrong with us mm-hmm. because you don't want that feeling. But by them coming out and hearing our stories, he, seeing other mothers that live right in their community, like a lot of people going to know, I didn't know Miss Smith lost a child and I live four down from Mr. Mill. So this is what she's doing. She's bringing everybody out. So everybody can have a voice, but everybody can also know, I didn't know. Now you do. What are you going to do about it? I want to partner with Rodney's Village. I want to help. She's going to need administrators. She's going to need paperwork. She's going to need volunteers. She's going to need everything. So when these presentations is over, it's like the news. Everything just get back to normal. There's no more normal for us. Mm-hmm. So this is why we are asking everybody to come out. We do, we tried to reach for the council members, but they couldn't come on the 8th, right? Yeah, they are having their council meeting at the same time. <laughs> so they'll be they'll be with us yeah. just on the uh, other side of the wall. <laughs> but we believe that we will be back to do another one so they can come. But the healing part is not to get up there and watch us cry trying to tell our stories. The healing part is when we get through with our stories and walk off that platform, who's going to be standing there saying, I won't end it? Because we don't want you sitting at our chair because of your son or daughter got murdered. We want you sitting at our chair because we're trying to make it to Washington to have them do something about all these guns and all of this violence in our neighborhood. The neighborhood have to be loved on by everybody. You don't have anything in these hoods. Let me leave off the neighbor now. You don't have anything in the hood for these kids. Mm-hmm. All the programs been taken out. You can't let people trying to get grants can't get grants. So paperwork ain't right. And you're mm-hmm. not helping me with the paperwork. You got, you can play basketball for so long going to the center. You can go to the library for so long and you can get bored. So what else do these kids have? Then all of a sudden they done found two, three guns, two, three pistols. Well now this is what it's like Christmas to them. Mm-hmm. But these kids want out. They want to change. But there's nothing in their face. So this is where City Hall finna come in with her and Rodney Village. They finna help us put something else in their face. And then we'll take back the gun. Well, we appreciate you ladies coming on and uh, having that discussion with us. And I look forward to hearing from you again. Love what you're doing. And uh, if you need anything from us, you let us know. All right, guys, that wraps it up. Truman Jones coming up next. You're listening to News Radio WGNS. This is the Action Line, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.